Welcome back to the podcast for the Legal Life of Ludacris course here at Georgia State College of Law. And we are so excited that you guys have been sticking with us and hearing all about our class this semester. This is Professor Ivory, and I'm here today with four new students as we talk about entertainers and family law. You may be thinking, well, what does that mean? It means family law like you're thinking it means. Divorces and child custody cases and child support. And of course, we've seen it in so many entertainers' lives, right? And so we have our very esteemed attorney who joined us to talk about that. And we're going to talk about that just in a minute. But first, I want my students to get a chance to introduce themselves, as we always do. So first up. Uh, My name is John Vaughn. I am a fourth year law student here at Georgia State. Hey, everybody. I'm Asha Hayward-James. I'm a third-year law student, finally. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Kyan Nicholson. I'm also a 4L, graduating May 2020. Hey, guys. I'm Tiffany Williams, also a 4L, graduating May 2020. Wow. So we have a lot of graduates coming up soon. And let's just jump right into it. When we started talking about all the aspects of entertainers and specifically our focus on the legal life of Ludacris, I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to talk about all areas of his life. And so when you think about an entertainer and you think about family law, and I'm going to start with you, Asha, because I remember (laughs) at the beginning of the semester, we started talking about people's interests and what area would they be interested in practicing in, and not everybody in the class wants to be an entertainment lawyer, but you started thinking about the idea of having entertainers as clients, but not necessarily having to practice in the area of entertainment law. And I saw your eyes kind of light up when we talked about family law and we said we were going to have this fantastic speaker come into class. So tell me about your interest in that. I think for me, the main thing was I know I've always loved entertainment, mainly because when I see a career for myself, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to feel like I've got to put this, like I'm buttoning up a a fake suit, like with my whole personality or whatever, in terms of what I'm doing. And so I always was like, I love reality TV shows. I like the drama. I want to know about it, but I don't (laughs) want the drama in my life. And so I feel like family law is one of those industries where it truly is drama, quote unquote, but it doesn't affect you. Or it does affect you. You have to balance that. But for me, it entertains me. I love the reality of it. There's so many different things. You can be creative with family law. It's really how you create that argument. And then just the entertainment law aspect of it is like, I like, I wanted those people as clients. Mm-hmm. I want the complex assets. I want there to be a lot of back and forth. I, I want that fight for it. And so I think with family law, it's just, it's a creative industry. It's not so right in line like okay you need to meet these three elements this is the argument you need to make and there's 50 different ways you can get to it yeah yeah I I saw you laughing when she said about the drama you know and that you might like want to represent but you don't want to be a part of the drama what about that made you chuckle similar to to Asha I'm into pop culture reality tv all that stuff I have several creatives in my family so I've always wanted to do entertainment law I think it's it's comfortable as far as relating and familiar. to people, familiar. Yeah. yeah. So our speaker came. Her name is attorney Tanya Mitchell-Graham, and she was so dynamic. I mean, I have like five pages here of stuff I could say about her, but she obviously, because this is the legal life of Ludacris courts, represented Ludacris in many of his family law matters, but she is the owner of the law office of Tanya Mitchell-Graham, which was founded in 1999. 
she is actually a Georgia State Law School alum, which was so exciting because she had not been back to our new building. For everybody out there, we have a brand new spanking beautiful building. We have all this technology, including our fabulous podcast studio, but she had not seen any of it. So it was so exciting to have her here. She's been a lawyer for over 27 years and just represents her practices exclusively now, entertainers and athletes in all of their family law matters. So I'm just going to go down the line and ask, okay, what were your first impressions of Tanya Mitchell Graham when she walked in? Because she's quite a bit of something, right? She has a huge personality, but she's a wealth of knowledge. And her experience, I think what we got from the discussion with her is that she has a lot to offer as far as her experience and, and where she started and where she is now. Mm-hmm. So she's a lot of personality, but I loved every minute of her being there. Do you think that the way that she is in terms of her ability to converse and the way she is, she seems so knowledgeable about everything, makes it easy for her to get clients? Absolutely. I mean, I think just the way that she presented herself and showed her appreciation for things like Ludacris being on time it seems like it'd be easier for her to get clients and then keep them after. I mean, she was dynamic. The minute she walked in the door, Mm -hmm. she was high energy. And you could tell that she really was knowledgeable. And one thing I got from her talk was that she was looking at everything the client was doing. She was like, I have this role in helping him, but we also need to look at his PR also. And she just had the whole the whole picture in, in her sights. Was there anything that stood out about her to you? I have to say that for me, I was especially intrigued by the messaging that she gave about how to show up in court. Absolutely. She was like, you need to speak properly. You need to address a judge. You don't want to be coming in there in leggings. And it's all about presentation. And I used to be like, I want to be comfortable where I'm working. And her thing was like, well, you need to present yourself to the client as the lawyer you want to be. So I don't need to come in there with like, you know, mismatched suit or anything like that. It's not saying that it's superficial, but it's saying that you're as confident in your abilities as you are in, in like the way you treat your presentation, the way you approach clients, the way you speak to them. She came put together. It's after six o'clock and you've been in the courtroom in your office all day and you're coming there, your suit's still buttoned up because she said, make sure you come to the podium, hands on the podium. You're not fidgeting. You're not distracting from what you have to say. And I think that's the line you have to draw, making sure you're not being too flashy in your appearance. It's the way it's distracting from what you're saying, but you want to make sure you're also confident in the way you present yourself that where people are like, okay, you know, that sounds about right. And I also believe what she's saying. Yeah. So I think her confidence it was more than just an appearance thing. It wasn't superficial. She's projecting the way she really is. And what have you learned this semester about the difference between the world of litigation versus the world of transactional matters? Because I thought something that Tanya did so well was differentiate between the way she is and communicates with her clients versus who she is when she walks into the courtroom and has to represent their interests. Did you get that from part of her conversation at all? I did, especially when she talked about, like like you mentioned before, her courtroom decorum, knowing your research, knowing the appropriate cases, things like that. I think she said managing the risk with the client and kind of being honest with the client and telling them what their chances are. For example, if somebody is going for custody, like, do you have number one, two, and three in order to actually get what you're asking for? And kind of being honest with the client in that way and trying to manage their expectations. Yeah. What did you think about, you're like the only guy on this panel right now. 
<laughs> John, what did you think about what she said about students and their research skills? Because she talked about having a student or, you know, an intern or an externship that would come and say, well, you know, here's the case that I want you to look at. And it's like a case from 10 years ago. Like, that's just not going to work for her. She wants the absolute latest and greatest. And so when you when she was saying those kind of things, I know when I was a law student, I might have thought like, hmm, do I have those kind of research skills? Like, what were you thinking? I mean, she was definitely harping on that as something that was valuable to her. And yeah. She wanted to be working in real time and not wasting her time with that kind of stuff. She made that very clear. And that was being a valuable tool be able to research from yeah. where we were. And so do you think you feel confident from your law school experiences that you can go into a firm in a litigation situation and be able to come up with the best research? I think so. But I, I will say I think there probably be some challenges as you transition into actually working. But I think the Georgia State prepares us with the skill set to, you know, learn from our mistakes if they do happen and be successful in our careers. So... Yeah. I would say the good thing about after, honestly, I'm one of those people, I'm intersection of family law, entertainment law. I love everything she does. When I saw her, I was like, wow, someone who looks like me, just doing something I want to do, all this stuff. And when she was saying like how she wants you to have strong research skills, strong litigation skills, I made sure I tailored everything I'm doing now to make sure I can at least like check some bubbles for her. So I've signed up for advanced evidence. It might not be the subject matter mm. you like, but if it's the path you're trying to go, you're gonna be like, okay, I need to do this, this, and that. And so when she was saying like research skills, I know research is one of those things I can bury myself in a hole trying to find as much research as I need to. But when she was saying like, just make sure you're up to date with the information. Recently this week, I was working on a case and it was about whether you could evict during like a domestic violence. And we actually had a case three days before it get published where you could present a TPO order and get released from your apartment lease. And so I was just like, well, look at my research skills. Yeah, bravo, bravo, yes. Because the law is changing every day. Things are happening every day. And so sometimes you feel like you're getting assigned these things and you're like, well, why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. What's the mm-hmm. purpose? Like, mm, the law hasn't changed since 1986 or things like that. But it really did change the entire outlook on my case, though. So. Sure. And maybe you think the law hasn't changed since 1986 when, <laughs> in fact, the law has changed right. and you just don't know that it's changed. I think one of the things that I liked about her presentation so much was that she really emphasized a lot of students get really caught up in the idea of entertainment law or sports law thinking that it's the exciting area you know but if you don't have those underlying foundations like contracts and intellectual property and now with Tanya it was a real basis for understanding simple litigation research type things you can't really be successful in this field we talk a lot about networking and that is hugely important but it's also important to have those foundational things so we're going to get off of time for a minute but what's the best thing you learned from her for me I'd say networking was a big thing and the ability to kind of go from practicing one field of law Mm. and how entertainers see you as a lawyer so they don't understand sometimes that you know you can't help them with their transactional thing but it kind of affords you the opportunity to learn more about those areas or reach out to the people in those areas and kind of network and bring that information back to them so 
Yeah, I think being knowledgeable. She talked about that a lot. She talked about self-studying. She talked about going to CLEs. She talked about trying to get some type of knowledge base, even if you don't have that experience, and how if you sound like you know what you're talking about, a client is going to respect that, and you can get some traction with that. Yeah. I think for me, it probably wasn't exactly the experience base, but she said how she started making sure she was taking care of her self-care. She started working out more, doing extra things, and I think for me, I've always wanted to make sure I have an identity outside of being a law student or being a future lawyer and making sure I still have things that are just Asha. Yeah. Like it gives you your time to separate because if you lose anything at one moment and point, you don't want to ever lose yourself. So yeah. you have to be careful between the lines you draw between tying an identity to your professional life and your personal life and who you yeah, are. Yeah, who you, you are. Can lose your prof- you can lose a job any day. We're in sure. a... Sure. <laughs> and a lot of lawyers, say, so. you know, if you look up the statistics of lawyers, a lot of lawyers are, you know, alcoholics or drug addicts or become suicidal because it's a lot to keep up with. It's a, It becomes people's complete identity. But then there's a lot of very well-adjusted and very yeah. successful. <laughs> t- I think Tanya is one of them. And really any of the speakers that we've had this semester who are telling us about the balance that they have in their lives. And one of our speakers, Anuj, said, you know, he goes home in the middle of the day to check on his family. And, you know, I think that that's just so important. And so I'm glad you brought that up because we haven't really touched on sort of just what life is like as a law student. But I I know... It's fantastic taking this class. Oh, absolutely. And what did you what uh, did you learn from Tanya? But I, one thing I was really impressed by her was two ideas that she kind of introduced together. One is how she had her VIP phone that she's going to answer no matter what happens. It's mm. like her kids plus some VIPs and showing her dedication to her clients, knowing you know she said I know they're overseas, but I'm going to take their phone call. Yeah. And then at the same time, she says, but I'm not compromising my standards for any one client. She says, I, my reputation means that much more, and it's going to hurt me down the road. So the way that she's that dedicated where she'll answer a phone call at whatever hour, but at the same time, no one's going to let her impose on her professional persona. That was really impressive. Yeah, I think you have to teach them how to treat you as an attorney, especially in an area where there's really not a nine to five kind of client. You know, many entertainment and sports clients are not nine to five. And so you do have to teach them how to treat you. But what I really learned from her the most, and and I felt like this is true for many of our speakers, you know, there's a certain amount of patience you have to have in learning the law and developing your client base. You know, she's at the height of her career right now with all of the list of clients she has but that wasn't the case when she first came out you know when she talked about going to work in somebody else's office and you know all that kind of stuff and I think we have a desire to so quickly be able to ramp up and have clients and do all this because it's exciting to think that we could build a practice but patience is definitely a part of it patience and learning about the law patience and developing your skill set and patience and people also learning what you do and being able to refer clients to you Additionally, I think she also talked about the knowledge that it takes, like, you have to remove yourself from the law field and know that it's also business. And so when she was talking about, like, making sure I've got payroll right, I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, crap, like, I can't just not get a job and open up a law firm. It's, like, a lot more things that go into it, like, making sure you have incorporating and all that stuff. So one thing she said was, like, like, a lot of our speakers have said is that Ludacris is not a typical client that he's just so invested and I think she showed that she's also invested in her her practice like she's invested in the business aspect she wants to make sure payrolls right so I just think like 
she's just a boss in all all areas. Sure. Yes. Right. Well, Tanya Mitchell Graham, when you listen to this <laughs> podcast, we want you to know that you are in fact the gold digger killer, which is one of the names that she trademarked, and a pit bull in a skirt. We love you, and we appreciated you so much coming to class and just really imparting so much wisdom on the students. And so, what's next for you guys? What? Tell me what you want to do when you graduate, and what you're thinking is going to be your career path. Uh, I'm probably going to go into transactional law. Yeah. Do you have a specific area that you think? Kind of have in mind what I'm going to do, not related to my background. My interest here is my background is in mass media comms. So I've been around media and that kind of thing. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm Obviously. everything yeah. family law, so All even right. though I was anything but litigation, I am everything domestic litigation now, so hopefully I've got some entertainment clients who have some family problems, but hopefully they get solved like you know, in a good way. In a good way, that absolutely. <laughs> Not quite sure, but most likely corporate law and or entertainment. All right, law. all right. Uh, well, I currently work in insurance defense, um, and I feel like every six months my boss is asking me, did you take the bar yet? Did you take the bar yet? And oh, like, they want to yeah. hire you, Tiffany. Yeah. That's excellent. But I mean, that would hey, put me in the top. Tiffany, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but that would mean I would have to litigate and I don't know if that's for me. So Yeah, but you know, yeah. the best thing about coming out of law school and trying something is then you know if it's for you right. or, or it's not for you, and you're gaining some very valuable experience right. along the way. So right. um, I wish you guys all the luck in the world. It's been um, such a pleasure um, doing this podcast and having this class this semester. And we have just a couple more classes left and maybe two more podcasts left for this semester. So we want to thank you for always listening to our podcast. And we are The Legal Life of Ludicrous here at Georgia State College of Law, and we'll talk to you Mm -hmm. next time. Thanks so much. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.